Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It's so nice to have you joining us this wonderful day. Today we are going to be talking about routines and schedules. As a believer in Christ, as a Christian, we have schedules, we have routines, we have flexible routines that we are abiding by. And I know for at least the last decade and a half, I have had people ask me on a regular basis about what does your routine look like or what is your schedule on a daily or on a weekly basis. And I think a part of that is because we're just kind of curious as to what other people's schedules and or routines are. And I remember looking through YouTube at one point because I was looking up something completely unrelated, yet there was a, a YouTube video of Mark Cuban talking about what his daily schedule was. So I clicked on it. I was just curious. So I listened to his. And then, of course, then it brought up, because of the algorithm, many more people talking about their schedules. So it looked to me, and because these had been viewed millions and millions of times, looked to me like people are curious in routines and what routines we have. Because we, we want affirmation. We want to know, am I doing things right? And so hopefully two weeks ago when we were talking about self-control, that was an affirmation that, yes, we do need to be more self-controlled. Last week when we were talking about patience, hopefully that really helped us understand patience in a different light than the way we always look at patience. And today I want to talk about routines and the routine of our schedule. So just to kind of start out, I'm going to go ahead and go through what my routine or my daily schedule kind of looks like. This is mine. Yes, there is overlap into what Blair, Xavier, and Mallory's looks like throughout this. I'm going from my perspective of the way I do things every day. So every day I sleep, I rest. Now this was my weakest and most sinful area because Scripture tells us time and time again that we're supposed to rest. We're supposed to take a day of Sabbath. We're supposed to take a day of rest. I also was very bad previously at taking a full seven to eight hours of sleep a night. When I was younger, I used to say things like sleeping is overrated. I used to say things like, oh, I'll sleep when I die. I had all kinds of little catchphrases that I would throw out there. And when I turned 40, I realized that was foolish of me. And I was also going against scripture in the regard of not following in line with the way God calls us to be people of rest. And so my daily routine does have between six and a half to eight hours of rest in it. If I get six and a half hours, I will take a 15 to 20 minute nap in the afternoon because I need more rest. I need to be rested. I need to be ready to go. I need that energy that comes with sleeping and or resting. Another thing that I do that is also very scriptural is I take care of my hygiene. I bathe. I put on deodorant. I put on perfume sometimes. I brush my teeth. All of those hygienical things these are important things for us to do. Again, they're scriptural. It's mentioned in Leviticus that we're supposed to take care of our bodies. We're supposed to even take care of our houses. So like if there's mold or mildew that happens, you're supposed to kill that area with different things that will combat that mildew, that mold, whatever. And then the Bible actually is very specific in Leviticus about removing that wall. If a wall becomes molded or mildewed, you have to remove it. And if the mold or mildew gets even worse than that, you're supposed to actually destroy the house because it's bad for you. Mold, mildew, these are bad things for us. And so it's important to stay hygienical. 
book of Esther talks about putting on things so that, that way we look beautified and these kinds of things. So it's, a, it's important for us to do these. Another thing I do every day is I pray. I pray not just a specific time. I don't just get on my knees next to my bed, but I actually pray all day. So if I'm driving down the road, I pray. If I'm if I'm in my uh, if I'm in the bathroom, getting ready for the day, I'm praying. If I'm walking through the house, if I am uh, in a meeting, sometimes I, I I say a silent prayer. Not every prayer that I speak is aloud with my mouth. I do often pray inside of my mind, inside of my head. Another thing I do on a regular basis every day, and this differs whether I do it in the morning or at night, is I read the Bible. I read a minimum of one chapter, but I do prefer to read several chapters at a time, especially in a longer book. If, I, if I'm in a shorter book, like in the Minor Prophets, uh, if I'm in a shorter book, like the epistles that are shortened, like Galatians or Ephesians that are just six chapters, I will read those usually in one setting uh, over a several period uh, days of uh, time. For the past three years, a part of my routine has be, been to work out. I worked out for the last three years, five days a week for 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. The last two months, I've been working out for six days. Uh, Monday through Friday, I then work from about 9 a.m. till 3.30 or 4 p.m. This entails writing, emailing, Zoom, WhatsApp calls, preparatory for whatever business venture we're working on at that time, strategy, meetings, paperwork. You know what your work is. I know what my work is, and this is what a lot of it entails. And I actually do my best to try and get everything done by Wednesday night or Thursday morning so that that way I have the rest of Thursday and I have all day Friday kind of to do other things. And those other things usually entail reading. I read books. I want to learn something new every day. Xavier's in 12th grade. Mallory is in 8th grade. Do you guys learn something every day? Yeah. yeah. But isn't that what you're supposed to be doing because you're in school? Yeah. Yeah. I'm an adult. I'm no longer in school and I don't have to learn anymore. But in order to grow as a person, in order to grow in Christ, I read and I try and learn something new every single day. Here's the kind of things that I read. I read fiction for enjoyment, the Pulitzer Prize winning fiction, um, uh, regular fiction like John Grisham or Kurt Vonnegut or any of those. I list, I read classics. I uh, read some of the old classics like anything but written by Dickens, or I've even gone back and I have read Homer's, the Iliad, the Odyssey, these kinds of things, because I was not always a reader. I hated reading. I absolutely hated reading all through school. But as I've gotten into adulthood, I've discovered that reading is important. And as a result of not reading a lot when I was younger, I didn't read the classics or I skimmed them so fast that it was like I read the first page and then I read the last page and then I didn't care. So I've gone back and read some of the classics as a result. Another thing I read is I read leadership books or books that help hone my skills. I read spiritual books. I read books about other cultures. I read books about history, about war, about finance. There is absolutely no book that has been written that I won't at least attempt to read. That doesn't mean I complete every book that I start, but there's no book that I will not at least attempt to read. Another thing that I do every day, and this is going to sound kind of funny, is that I talk to myself. 
every day at some point in the day. I talk to myself. Sometimes I talk to myself in my head. Sometimes I talk to myself kind of under my breath. But I do every day at some point in the day or maybe at several points in the day, I talk to myself. Okay, honestly, I got lazy in journaling and I no longer write in the journal. So now I kind of do a little self-talk to myself and it really helps me a lot. Another thing that I do every day is I talk with my family. Do we get, do we talk every day? Yeah. Yes. Do we talk at any set time in the day? No. No. Like any point of the day, we can just all of a sudden start a conversation and we will discuss it and we will discuss it and we will discuss it and we discuss it. I discuss things privately with Blair, but a lot of things I discuss out loud that are in the earshot of you guys, of Xavier and Mallory yeah. it, to the point where they get involved in the discussion because I think it's very important to have open discussion on a regular basis because you guys are constantly learning, not just from school, but you're learning from Mommy and I, you're learning from the way we do life. Now, there are some things that I do not discuss. Majority of the time, it's because I just forgot. I forget. And that's okay. Another thing I do on a regular basis, daily basis, is I talk with or I spend time with friends. We go out. We talk on the phone. We text each other. We go to, I go to their homes or that I invite them to our home. Another thing I do almost every day is at some point I sing. I... um. This is just something that I, I know Xavier does this because I can hear him when he's in the shower singing away. And I'll sit here, yeah, Xavier, you give it all you got, buddy. And Valerie will just start laughing. I also, on a daily basis, do watch a movie or TV show. The three TV shows that we're currently watching uh, are like Shark Tank, Gilmore Girls, Madam Secretary. I just want you to know that out there because we don't sit and watch God TV or TBN. We watch other stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. Some days we get so busy that we don't watch anything. We don't watch TV, we don't watch a movie, and we don't try and force that into our schedule because we just get loaded up with other things and by the time we get home it's time for our head to hit the pillow and so maybe we'll read if we're a little energized still but most of the time we just get ready and we go right back to bed. I do want to enter into the fact that the first five years of our marriage, Blair and my marriage, we spent time without a TV. So we did not have cable. We did not have satellite. We did not have any way of having TV projected into our home. And for those first five years, we spent a lot of time having conversations and enjoying each other. Another thing that I do on a daily basis is I eat the past year. I've eaten three meals a day with two snacks, one in between breakfast and lunch, and one snack between lunch and dinner. Unless I'm fasting, I am not consuming physical food, but even if I am fasting, I am still consuming a meal, and that meal consists of God's Word. Because at some point every day, it's very important for us to feed ourselves, and we have multiple parts to our body. We have the flesh of our body, which needs food and water. And we have a spirit body, which also needs sustenance, which comes from direct communication with God. Having a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit is vital for us. And that's why even when I'm fasting, I'm still consuming sustenance that just so happens to be God's word. Every day, 
I either cook or I help cook dinner with my wife for the past two years, especially. Daily or every other day, I buy fruits and vegetables at the Subzi Walla, or I go and get the other foods that we need from the market. Mallory and I have been going lately. We started a routine where we go on Tuesdays after she's finished with her school. We go into the market and we pick up things. I try and regularly play. We play board games, play basketball, we play badminton daily. I try to limit my social media time to about 15 minutes a day. That's something that I'm trying to do more and more. And then something that's less regular as far as daily basis goes is we dance as a family. So Mallory takes dance classes and we do practice together and we do perform the dance once she's finished together as a family. So I dance, Xavier dances, Blair dances, Mallory dances. Another thing I do on occasion is I draw, I sketch, I doodle, or I pull out my watercolors and I actually paint something. And then once a month, I pay our bills. I find that very important to make sure that those are paid and that we are not in debt in any capacity. So that is kind of a regular routine for me. So when talking about our routines, when talking about our schedules, I want to look at a passage of scripture. As a new Christian, a very important part of this passage of scripture that stands out is verse 17. And in this passage of scripture, God really speaks to us about how the old is gone and the new has come. And that as a Christian, my routine should not look like that as it did before when I was a sinner. My schedule should look a lot different than it did before I came to Christ. So we're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 through 19. I'll be reading that. And then we'll go on into uh, some questions and answers here. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This passage beautifully puts into words what's happening inside of you, whether you became a Christian today, whether you became a Christian last month, six months ago, a year ago, or 20 years ago, God is constantly helping us to become more like Christ. And so therefore we are developing more into a new creation than we did the day before. And your spirit man, upon confessing Christ as your Lord and believing in your heart that he is your master, he is becoming more alive to you today than he was yesterday. We are born again when we ask Jesus into our heart when he becomes Lord of our minds. However, do not become a robot that you just spit out the information that the Holy Spirit gives you. You still have your own personality, 
your own feelings, your own everything. You're a new creation, but you're not a robot that that uh, is taken care of to just put out what has been put into it. So however, a transformation has occurred in your life, causing you to do away with the old ungodly habits and your spirit man coming to life, bringing you to a place of needing life-giving power, which brings us to the point of learning to patiently develop and pursue new patterns of living. Leaving your old habits, leaving your old life, leaving your old desires does not happen in a vacuum. We understand that. Hopefully, your brothers and sisters who are in Christ also understand that. We aren't all perfect the day we get saved, and sometimes 30, 40, 50 years into our salvation, we still haven't achieved perfection, but yet we're striving for it every day to be more like Christ than to be perfect as He is perfect. However, this can't just happen overnight, and you are not teleported outside of the life that you live. Your family, when you accept Christ, is still your family. You don't get a new family. Your friends are still going to be your friends. You don't all of a sudden need to reject every single one of your friends. This is a teaching that has just discouraged me throughout the years, especially in Christian circles, as you get saved, you need to get rid of all of your old friends. Well, what if your old friends need Jesus too? And you're getting rid of them and you're isolating yourself from them and you're finding something different, a different friend. What happens to them? Are, and if we really believe those who don't confess Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to hell, is that really what you wish on your friends? I hope not. We don't change our job or our school the day we get saved. Our house doesn't become a different house. Our bathroom and our bedroom and our living room and our kitchen, they don't all change. There are constantly going to be reminders around us, smells and songs and TV shows and conversations that are going to remind us of our old life. Our salvation doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so now what we do is mentally, we renew our mind, allowing ourselves to be a new creation in Christ and forgiving ourselves of the past, as God has forgiven ourselves of the past. And you now have the adventure of living a new life in front of your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, everybody else, meaning that you get to choose to set a new routine and a new schedule for your life. God is providing you with a new pattern for living. New godly things will bring you joy. New godly things will interest you. New godly activities will build you up and build up your expectations. New godly concepts will help you in business, will help you in studying, will help you in school, will help you at home. So let's look into some of the everyday patterns that are a good part of our lives. These patterns are in addition to regular Bible reading, prayer, community worship, and personal devotion and meditation. We're going to start with three passages of scripture. They all pertain to the same thing. And we're going to ask ourselves, what pattern did Jesus set for us? These passages of scripture are Matthew 26, 26, Luke chapter 24, verse 30, and John chapter 6, verse 11. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and give it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Luke 24, 30. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. 
So what pattern is Jesus setting here before people are getting ready to eat? Blessing the food before you eat it. Blessing the food before you eat it. Blessing the hands that prepared it. Anything else? I guess preparing the disciples before he dies. That as well. And for us to recognize that the, when we eat, it's a reminder that Jesus' death on the cross was for our, our salvation. So every time we sit down to eat, we're reminded of that. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 6 through 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So what pattern is this scripture setting that should be applied to our life? Rejoice. Rejoice. Hmm, absolutely. Pray without ceasing. Yeah. Never forget to pray. And then give thanks to God. Do we have a regular routine, daily routine of giving thanks unto the provider, the creator, the one who has blessed us with so much? I do. I thank God every time I drink tea. <laughs> but you know, like on like Thanksgiving, how we have the, the, the tradition of writing our leaves of what we're thankful for. Yes. Sometimes I forget to write down God, and then I'm like, how come I didn't even put that as my first one, and I didn't think of it? And the first thing I thought of was family. The first thing I should have thought of was God, and it's happened to me a lot. <laughs> well, I... I think that's okay, especially since, as we were all saying, we have a regular routine, a daily routine of thanking him for our lives, for the things that he's provided for us. I thank God every day that I woke up feeling this way. <laughs> what about when things go bad in our lives or things go the way we don't necessarily want them to? Like driving down the street and you get a flat tire. How, what is something that we can thank God for in that moment? The muscles to remove the tire oh, off yeah. in order to replace it <laughs> with the spare. And grateful for children that are in the car to help me remove <laughs> that wheel. Wait, it sounds like this has happened to you before. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> then I'm also thankful for my father, my earthly father, who taught me at the age of eight how to change a tire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know one day I was leaving and I got a flat tire and I got out to change the tire. And all of a sudden I had three new friends mm -hmm. that were helping me change the tire. So mm -hmm. not only was I in a position where I was like, oh man, mm -hmm. I've got a flat tire. This is such a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm late, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden I had three friends and I'm thankful that I had three new friends for the past year now because I got a flat tire. I got three new friends. That's pretty cool. What else could we thank God for in that moment? I thank God that I even had the car to get the flat tire in the first place. <laughs> I could have been walking the whole time. You know? So having an attitude of thanksgiving, having an attitude of praying without ceasing, having an attitude where we are rejoicing always or rejoicing evermore. All right. Next passage of scripture is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> but each one tests his own work, and then his reasons boast will be in him alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So what is this scripture pointing out about our daily routine? We need to help each other and depend on each other, but at the same time, work through and bear our own problems as well. We need to help others who are in trouble and, and allow others who are in trouble to help us. But at the same time, at the end of it, it says, for each will have to bear his own load. We still have to bear our own problems. Like we can accept help, but in the end, it is us who needs to work through them. Mm -hmm. It's not anybody who can do that for us. Mm -hmm. Right. What is the majority of gossip? When we're talking about somebody, what is it usually we're talking about them about? Something we don't like. Something we don't like, but what else? Can you believe what happened to them? Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen to me. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of put ourselves or elevate ourselves. This passage of scripture is saying that we're not, we're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. Like that's contrary to God's word. So, is gossip a good thing to do? No. No. So daily, we're not supposed to gossip. I don't know. I, I find out a it's lot of information. It says do not gossip. It says do not gossip. I find out a lot of information through gossip. So do I. Like, otherwise, I wouldn't know. I don't gossip. I tell, get other people to tell me to gossip. Right. I, I go to gossip. the source. <laughs> I go to the source. Oh, my goodness. You guys are hilarious. I mean, WhatsApp groups are awesome. Yeah, they are. They're Can't so be. resourceful. <laughs> friends who gossip are awesome, too. Like, they are. You go into like, a church function and you have a friend that knows all the gossip, they'll tell, like, I don't gossip about anybody, but they'll tell me all the gossip. So now I know what's going on whenever right? I meet people. You're sitting down and getting your hair cut and you're in a brand new place and it's like, did you know? No, I didn't. You know, please tell me more. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tune my ears off of it because I get so excited about learning about somebody else's business. Yeah. So this is something that has got to constantly change within our life as we follow more after Christ is to put the gossip to the side oh, and, to, and to bear our burdens one with another and not be talking about each other, but going straight to the source in helping assisting, praying with, being a listening ear for not to go then spread what we heard to other people, but to keep it in the locked up within the friend confidentiality agreement, if you will. Of, I want to make sure I respect my friend enough that I won't share their information. I'll let them do that themselves. And then when they're hurting, when they're in pain, when they're in the hospital, when they're sick, when a loved one dies, and they confess to us how they're feeling in that moment, we listen. Sometimes we can give advice, but more often it's better for us to listen and to do that human contact thing. Touch their hand, touch their arm, hug them, say, oh, you know, because that human touch is something that really speaks a lot of volumes. I'm not talking about something that's perverted. I'm talking about genuine care. For one another. 
All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what is our responsibility to teach and reflect on this teaching of God's word for our daily life? O-B-E-Y. Obey. Obey who? Your mom and dad. Obey your mom and dad. You're 40 plus years of age now. 44. I'm not ashamed. You're 44 (laughs) years of age and you're not ashamed. Nope. Does this passage of scripture apply to you still? Absolutely. How? Your parents are old. You're old. Why do you still have to obey your mom and dad? That's what scripture says. They are my mom. They She's are not my dad. Old. I'm 44 plus young. She's 44 plus young. Okay. But I mean, I'm just saying a lot of people look at something like this and they go, oh, that's something for kids, mm-hmm. you know, under the age of 18. But you're saying that that's not the case here. Nope. As long as they're here on this earth, we need to be honoring and obeying our parents. We mm. need to. We do. It's right. It, it, well, what if I'm 60 years old and they're 80, 88 years old? Do I still need to honor them? Selfishly, I want to live to be 120. So that is why I honor my mom and my dad. <laughs> That's not an answer to my question. <laughs> what if we're 60 and our parents are 80 plus or 90 plus? Do we still honor them? Yes. Yes, because we remember. I mean, if they definitely have you know, are struggling with Alzheimer's and or dementia or some other kind of disease that may plague their life. You know, remember them for who they are. Mm. Don't concentrate so much so on what they've become, you know, and their fragile, fragile stages of life. Yeah, it's detriment to watch and see. But yet through those little peaks of, oh, I have a moment back with my mom or, oh, I have a moment back with my dad. Remember though, remember those moments, focus in on those. It's it's just better that way and love them, respect them and make sure that they're in a, if they're not in your home and you're able to take care of them, you know, make sure you're in their lives and involved as much as possible as you can. And we are to honor and obey them. And what about the side of all of our Asian friends, all of those who live here in India or anywhere in the Eurasia continent who look at the west and see tv shows and movies where kids are so disrespectful and dishonorable and they automatically associate that with christianity because for whatever reason a lot of people over here in asia think that the west is all christian what what do we have to say to people like that you guys got any input on that you shouldn't assume by a person's skin color or anything bad about them. Like if a person is white and all you hear is like, you have a white friend that's a Christian and like you're like, oh, that person's obviously a Christian, but they're not. You shouldn't assume it just because of their color of their skin. Okay. And what about when it comes to honoring your elders, honoring your mother and father? Well, it is a big part of our Judeo-Christian society in the West is to implement those values into uh, daily life through other church activities and people say it a lot and the portrayal of television and other things uh haven't helped because the society in the west has been 
I mean, America specifically, proclaims itself to be a Christian nation and everything like that. And so whenever they're producing things that are contrary to Scripture, it confuses the minds of everyone over here who think that everybody's supposed to be Christian because they're proclaiming they're a Christian nation. And so in that, we need to represent ourselves as Christians differently and contrary to what society believes in order to show that we are different than what is believed to be. Okay. Well, let me go a little more deep then. How do you respect, how do you as a Christian who lives in two different continents, how do you take this passage of scripture of children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right? How do you take that? When I was younger, I always took it, I mean, as importance of always obeying you and making sure I'm doing right by you and honoring my father and mother and my elders and always tried to do that, always tried to speak to the elder people and greet them when I was younger. And then whenever we moved here to India, everything changed to the point where I learned a different level of what everybody else does here as well, of respect that I already had implemented in me, but had no idea that it was so important as over here as it should be in the West. Yeah, I really like here in Asia where if someone is elder to you and there is a chair in the home for them to sit in, you offer your chair first and foremost to the most eldest person in the house and then respectfully either take your place on the floor or find another seat that may be less comfortable than the one that you just offered up. Now, not all homes do that in Asia because there are still there still are those that I mean, as some uncles and aunties, oh, we're becoming sloppy now. Mm-hmm. You can't even bend all the way down to the floor to touch your toes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how sloppy are you becoming? And then it, it can become like an embarrassment because that, that young one may be struggling and, well, I'm not, I don't see other people do this. So why do I, it, I mean, it's just an embattlement. And then, then even in the Western mind of, why was I born into this family? I wish I had these parents or, oh, I could be on television and an influencer if I had these type of parents. And so you just kind of remove yourself and fly off to California or New York to make it big or make it famous without your parents because, well, my parents are never going to give me anything. They haven't ever done anything for me, but yet they have. Mm. And so when we keep rejecting and rejecting and rejecting what we've come from, or who bore us, so to say, on this earth, it's tough. That's just an embattlement in one's heart and mind and soul. Well, and I I think you're also starting to hit on that last part where it says, and fathers, don't provoke your children under wrath. This doesn't just go for me as Xavier and Mallory and Addison's father. This also goes for me as an up-and-coming elder within my community. I know I'm 44 years old of age now, so I'm not an elder per se, but I do get called Paji and uncle a lot, especially the last decade I have. And so I don't want that kind of reputation, especially as a Christian, where I am the kind of guy that is impossible for a young person to approach because when they do approach me i'm criticizing them or i'm provoking them or i'm making them angry or i'm bringing to the to a point of complete bloodlust anger with me because i'm just a jerk and i've seen that so often it doesn't matter the cultural background 
the religious background, Hindu, Sikh, Muslim, Christian, doesn't matter. I've seen people, uncles, I've seen Pajis that reject the younger generation so vehemently that they are constantly provoking them unto wrath. And as a new believer in Christ or as a Christian who served the Lord for 20 years or longer, it is our job to not provoke our children unto wrath, but to train them and admonish them towards the Lord, to encourage them to keep seeking their faith in God. Specifically as Christians, we want them to keep on seeking Christ Jesus. All right, just a few more questions and passages of scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. All these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. How are we to teach our children? Or what are we to teach our children? We as parents in the home should teach our children diligently when we are blessed with being even able to have children of our own or being blessed to have children in our home from our own neighborhood. And when we are instructing a child, whether it's our own or not our own, may we be mindful that we're doing that same action, not do as I say, not as I do. I remember uh, in sixth grade, we had three policemen that came to our uh, classroom and we had one lady police officer and two men police officer. And they were, it was just like a don't do drugs movement that week. And these police officers were like, okay kids, stay in school because school is cool and don't do drugs. And if you even take your first puff of a cigarette, you know, that's just going to lead you to wanting to experiment with other things. And so, you know, 30 of us are sitting there in the class going, okay. And, you know, and it's just like, well, how many of you have been experimenting with drugs? Well, some have, some haven't. And, oh, okay. And then, you know, somebody was like, hey, you've been to my house. Oh, okay. I, I know the officers had even been to my home. And... After that, their presentation of stay in school, don't do drugs, because I was like, because school is the rule to not do drugs? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's the pattern of our home life. It's what's implemented around us and our, in, in our surroundings. The buses were coming. The number is called when your bus is there, and, and then you leave your classroom to go out to the bus. And as a couple of my friends and I as we were heading out to our bus, those police officers were standing outside the school. And I was like, don't do drugs and stay in school. I said, but look at you guys. I said, you, you just told us not even to begin with our first puff. And all three of you are out here lighting it up. And they're like, well, kid, stay in school. Cops aren't always the, the people that you need to be looking up to. And I was like, okay. So that gave me a bus ride of pondering of what does that even mean? What I'm trying to say is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> is don't 
don't do the do as I say, not as I do. Be honest with who you are and be honest to a child diligently. Yeah. Whether they're your child or they're another from the neighborhood or school, school or, or out in the community, right, whatever. Or business um, meetings and things of that nature. According to this Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, in addition to diligently teaching children, our children and children of our community, and walking with them and talking with them from the time we wake till the time we go to sleep at night, what other routines reflect our faith in Christ within our house, according to this passage of scripture? Like, it says to have God's word written on your arms or on your hands. I mean, does that mean that we all need to go get a tattoo of our favorite passage of scripture on our hand or on our arm? No. Like, what, what, what does that symbolize? Or what is this? I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand Orthodox priests, they wear... The, the things that they wear, and I'm not going to go down that road, but I'm just saying I, I do understand that there is a culture, Judeo culture in Israel of Orthodox Hasidic Jews that wear scripture in bindings on their hands and on their forehead. I know that. But what is it saying to us, this passage of scripture, as Christians with God's word? What does that mean on our hands and on our head, in our heads? I believe it means you having scripture on your hands and on our heads means, well, personally, that we're we're living out scripture. That our hands, what our hands do, yes. is scriptural, and right. what our head, what we say out of our mouth, what comes out of our mouth, and what we think mm -hmm. is supposed to be scriptural. And so, in doing that, if we put scriptures in our heart, we hide His word in our heart, and then we enact that through our hands and through our head, we are fulfilling what Christ wants us to do. Absolutely. Beautifully said. So in a daily routine, everything we do from the time we wake up till we lay our dead head down on the bed at night, even while we're sleeping is to be taken through the filter of God's holy word. That's a new routine from before we came to Christ, isn't it? All right. Acts chapter 20, verse seven. And upon the first day of the week, when the mm. disciples came together to break Read, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. When did the disciples come together? Um, the first day of the week. And what is the first day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. So it's good for us to gather on Sundays Sunday. as believers. Some people have different days of the week to gather, though. Well, we need to gather every day of the week, specifically in a moment of talking with God, but Christian value, the way that we have come together, traditionally, historically, Christians get together on Sunday, the first day of the week. Another passage of scripture, and we just have four more, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So whom should we gather with? Fellow believers. Fellow Christians. And what are we to not forsake? Meeting together. Meeting together very important for us to gather with other Christians. Does that mean that 24 seven, 
seven days a week we are only around other Christians. No, it also doesn't mean we only gather with Christians in church. Correct. It doesn't mean that we only gather with Christians outside of church either. Yes. Is it okay to have friends who are of other faiths? Yes. Is that why it's important for us to meet together as Christians? Yeah. It's because, yeah, 90% of our time might be out among people who don't think and believe like we are, we do as Christians. And so that gathering together is that moment where we encourage each other to be strengthened in our faith, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Next passage of scripture is found in Titus chapter three, verses one through two. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Perfect courtesy? Holy smokes, that's really hard. What should we always be ready to do then as Christian believers? According to this passage of scripture, be submissive to rulers and authorities. Like the president and the prime minister? Yeah. Yeah. What? Our chief minister or our governor? Yeah. What? But what if I don't like what they have to say? They're the ones that are in authority. And who's in authority above them? God. God. Seems like in the 21st century, we've decided that this passage of scripture no longer pertains to the Christian faith. And I must say, and I must call it out as it is, that's wrong. We are, no matter who our prime minister is in India, or our president is in the United States, or anywhere else in the world of your government, we are to remind ourselves to be subject to the rulers and authorities. Does that mean that it's okay to go flying down the road at 200 kilometers an hour? No. No, there's nowhere in our two countries of the United States or India that that's acceptable. That was breaking the law of the rulers and the authorities. Running red lights, breaking the law of the rulers and the authorities. Running over somebody, killing somebody, stealing from somebody. On and on it goes. All of the laws. We are to be a peaceable and law-abiding people. Speaking evil of nobody, but always showing humility to all men. This is not an easy thing because our human nature rises up so often to demand our rights. The reality is, is that the only right we have is a relationship with Christ Jesus. All right, Titus chapter 3, verse 8. That's mine. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So what do we maintain? Good work. Excellent. And I was going to say good looks before I said good works. <laughs> <laughs> like, good looks. And Titus 3 verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help causes of urgent need and not be unfruitful. How do we remain fruitful? By helping those in need. COVID-19 has brought a lot of needs all over this globe. It's brought out a lot of opportunity to help each other. It's brought a lot of emergencies. Are you willing to give blood if you have the blood that is needed at the local hospital? Are you willing to go and sit at the hospital with somebody who's hurt? I remember a couple of months ago, Addison needed to go to the hospital in America. We're all here in India. 
and a friend came and picked her up, took her to the hospital, couldn't go in the hospital, and yet waited outside until Addison contacted her with what to do next. What a good friend. Are we that type of good friend? So there's a few things in our routine and in our schedule that change. Sometimes we need to be flexible in our schedule and we need to be able to put everything to the side. Oh, I've got a lot of work to do, but a friend urgently calls us and said that they're in need and they have nobody else that can take them to the doctor or take them to the hospital. What do we do? We put our things to the side and we go help that friend. It's very important for us, especially not just as good Christian witnesses, but just as a brother or a sister who care about those that are around us. And so therefore, I want to encourage us to look at our routine, look at our schedule, and look at it as something that is flexible, flexible to help others, flexible to meet the needs of others, flexible to be able to pray with others, flexible to not care what other people think about us, but to bear each other's burdens in moments when total hurt, heartache, and disappointment are attacking Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day and that we will all stay safe and everyone will wear their masks and wash their hands every single day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, please comment on our Instagram page, Twitter account, LinkedIn account. You can email us, as you see, on the, the place that you're receiving this podcast at. We'd love to hear back from you. Five Alive out.